Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcast. As you know by now, we are part of the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts, and my name is John Boccasino. I've been here with the podcast since our beginning. Uh, our longtime co-host, uh, Jamie D'Amico, is going to join us here on the podcast as well. Jamie, uh, you know, listen. The Bills are having a special season so far. It's eight and three. I know we can complain and nitpick all we want about the Chargers win. It was 27 to 17. It shouldn't have been that close. There were a ton of those new turnovers on three straight possessions. But the bottom line is, as Bill Parcells famously said, you are what your record is. And right now, the Bills head into week 13, eight and three and in command of the AFC East. That ain't too shabby. Especially at this point in the season, right? How many years through the drought at this point in the year were, you know, the Bills at the very bottom of the list that said in the hunt and you would look at the number of teams ahead of them and you would say, ah, uh, no way, they're never going to get there. But in the back of your mind, you're like, maybe, just maybe. And you know what? Three, four years ago, it actually worked out. In the hunt turned into the playoffs. But now I like being in the driver's seat. Let us never forget the miracle known as Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd to send the Bills into the playoffs in 2017 and snap the playoff drought. I spent more time than I care to admit playing around with those New York Times simulators when you would see the Bills in the hunt and you'd go through and be like, well, if the Bills beat the Titans in week 14 and the Patriots lose to the winless Jets and the Raiders beat the Broncos and it was like an exercise in futility because the bills would always win those games that they should win. And then they would drop one where it's like they would lose to the Raiders. I remember there was a time we, um, we saw the bills beat Aaron Rodgers at the stadium. Oh, yeah. and Bakari Rambo dude, that, that, that might've been there's, I was talking with a couple of friends about this where it was like most painful losses and most joyous victories. That was right up there as far as like unexpected and pleasant and just like such a feel good. I mean, we were freezing our, you know, what's off at the stadium. The wind was whipping in off the lake and all that, but felt so good about the bills. And then they go to the play, this woeful Raiders team on the West coast and don't even like show up. They lose Kyle Orton has a bad game and the bills are out of the playoffs. That's how it went for so many years during the drought that let's take a moment and just celebrate the fact that for the second straight year, the bills are sitting here eight and three and they're in control of their own uh, playoff destiny. I think we should celebrate at this point with a, I think we should celebrate with a Great Lakes Christmas ale or a Sierra Nevada celebration. What do you think? Or should we wait for something that's a little bit more important? <laughs> well, listen, I and for those uh, for our, our lovely podcast audience, Jamie and I were chatting off air about our favorite uh, Christmas time beers, and those are 
two of our favorites when it comes to just sitting back and popping it open and having a good time and relaxing. And I'm sure that uh, our audience has a great beer taste, uh, beer palate out there as well. But those sound fantastic, Jamie. I tell you what, if the bill, I, I we don't, we don't, some, some people do podcasts and they have their drink on. We don't, we get to the content. We tell you what's happening in Bill's nation, but Monday night when the bills are playing the Niners in Arizona, you better believe I'll be having some of that Christmas Allen. I'm going to stop out and grab some celebration myself later on today to uh, get a, a good solid beer here in house for uh, the big week 13 matchup with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Jamie, I, I kind of teased this earlier, but the bills, as we know, have not been a primetime player when it comes to their appearances on Sunday and Monday night football, the national audience is going to get exposed to Josh Allen and Sean McDermott and these bills now more than ever with the next four games appearing in a prime time or a standalone slot. Um, the Buffalo bills have not done very well when it comes to their history on Monday night football. Did you know the bills are trying to snap an eight game losing streak on Monday night football when they go to play the 49ers on Monday night football. You said before we started recording that you were going to drop a stat on me that was going to depress me. And now that I hear it, you're a dick. How, how <laughs> could you do me like that? And you know, well, I, I will say that stat comes with a caveat. The Bills have. So remember that weird season I was talking about, uh, 2014, the Bakari Rambo game. It's yep. almost like I brought that year up for a reason. The Bills did win a game on Monday night in 2014. It just wasn't technically Monday night football. It was that weird game that got snowed out. There was like, I don't know, two, two and a half feet of snow that came by Western New York. And they moved the game to Detroit, Michigan, for the Bills and the Jets on a random Monday night after Thanksgiving. Oh, so technically, remember that one? I totally forgot about that till you brought it up just now. It was like the most surreal, like the Bills sent out this email and they were like calling on volunteers to like shovel out the stadium and they were going to pay you, I don't know, 10 bucks an hour to go out there and do backbreaking work and, and remove the snow from the seats and everything. And, at one point, they were like, you know what? This is not going to work. So, yeah, why not? Let's move the Bills Jets to Detroit, Michigan. And that's where that game was played. I think it was like November 27th. No, November 24th, 2014. And, Jamie, just to let you know, the last time the Bills technically won a game on a Monday night that was not Monday night football, Doug Marone was the head coach. Kyle Orton was the quarterback. Michael Vick and Geno Smith quarterbacked the opposition oh. and Kyle Orton had a career performance. I say career. He completed 75% of his passes for 220 and two touchdowns. But man, that was such a we I'm not surprised you don't remember that game because it was one of those like, oh, yeah, the Bills played on a Monday night in Detroit, Michigan, of all places. My experience with Monday night football goes back to about 1989. That's, uh, gosh, I was in junior high at the time, and in 1988, the Buffalo Bills seemingly came out of nowhere to win the AFC East going 12-4. and four. Um, The following season, the Bills received a couple of Monday night, one Monday night game against the Rams, and I was really excited about it, but I was in eighth grade, so I wasn't allowed to stay up very late, and 
my uh, my parents let me watch the first quarter and then sent me to bed. Bills were losing the entire game. The game was quarterbacked by Frank Reich because Jim Kelly was injured. Well, I ended up sleepwalking that night because my brain apparently wouldn't shut down because my beloved Buffalo Bills were playing. I apparently started sleepwalking that night, came down, sat in front of the television without my glasses on because I I don't know why I didn't put my glasses on. I usually did when I sleptwalked as a kid. Um, (laughs) And I began to wake up as the Bills were mounting a furious comeback against what was a very solid Rams team. Now, I don't, you know, I, I didn't see it, but the Bills ended up winning that game. Fast forward to the next couple of years after that, I'm getting a little older, but the first game that my parents allowed me to stay awake for the whole the whole thing on Monday night was against the Chiefs. And the Buffalo Bills got absolutely throttled by the Chiefs. The Bills had this amazing offense, but the Chiefs came in with the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye, and ran all over the Bills. They seemed helpless. Also, it was a Monday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers where the zone blitz was invented by defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau of the Steelers to try to slow down Jim Kelly in that that fabled offense that they had. And once again, because Jim Kelly and nobody had ever seen his own blitz before, they absolutely destroyed. So my first few my first few games of watching Monday Night Football either were incomplete because I was too young to stay up, or I watched them get absolutely destroyed by solid oppositions, and they're burned into my brain. <sighs> I think we need to win on Monday night to, to, to overcome some of this. And, you know, there's some national nationally televised games coming forward uh, the rest of the season with the Bills. I'm hoping we see some wins. What about you, buddy? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's interesting uh, hearing you talk about those past painful memories. Yeah, the Bills have not had a very... Even during the Super Bowl years, and they were—I mean, yeah—the the, so I'm looking at the Bills Monday Night Football history and all the games you mentioned up there. The comeback against the Rams, uh, that '89 season, they had three games on Monday Night Football, and they went one and two, losing to the Broncos and the Seahawks by a point. And then in '90, they had two. In '91, they had three. '92, they had two. So, Bills fans got accustomed to their team being in the primetime spotlight and on Monday Night Football. And then a funny thing happened. A 17-year playoff drought, which, by the way, the answer to the trivia question of the last time the Bills actually won a legit Monday night football game, you have to go back to October 4th of 1999, when at home, I'm sorry, in Miami, the Bills beat the Dolphins 23-18. to They staged a comeback in the fourth quarter. Um, they were, or sorry, they were staged a second half comeback, rather. They were down by four at halftime. Um, Eric Moulds caught a touchdown pass from Doug Flutie. Uh, Steve Christie kicked one, two, three field goals, and the Bills pulled out a 23 to 18 victory. Since then, it has been all doom and gloom for the Bills, including earlier this year, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on that Monday night football game. And they also lost to the Tennessee Titans on 
Tuesday night football. So uh, Buffalo in prime time since 2006 and 23. That's right. Six and 23. Not a good track record. And I was there for some of those. You talk about like painful losses, Jamie. Two of my most indelibly burned in the brain losses in my fandom as being a Bills fan going to the stadium in person was a loss to the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football when Brady Quinn was the quarterback for the Browns and Dick Duron was the field general uh, leading the Buffalo Bills out there. And they lost 29 to 27. Brady Quinn had like 300 plus passing yards. Marshawn Lynch had a hell of a rushing performance. Trent Edwards threw a bunch of interceptions which is nothing familiar, nothing surprising for Bills fans. But that game sticks out because the Bills had a chance to win the game. And Dick Jerron, the Bills got the ball to like the Cleveland 30 with like a minute to go. And Jerron was content running Lynch into the line of scrimmage three times for no yards before settling for a Lindell field goal that was pushed wide. So the whole stadium walked out there being like just a completely depressing and deflating feeling. However, that feeling pales in comparison to the previous Monday night football game that I had attended the, ah, uh, the bills blew the law the game against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I was one. there for that dude that I will, that game still gives me nightmares when it comes to how in the world Buffalo dropped that game to the Dallas Cowboys. After five I mean, interceptions by Tony Romo. Yeah. I mean, the, exactly. George Wilson, I believe had a pick six in that game. Um, the Chris Senator, Kelsey had a pick six. Yeah, they, they were they were running rough shot over the Cowboys, and it was just such an awesome feeling to see this team of Dallas getting their you know their you know what's kicked in. I mean, there were so many Cowboy fans at the stadium, and you can't bury Dallas with five interceptions of Tony Romo. And and, and you know it's one of those things where when the Cowboys were driving down the field. And they're getting ready to set up the the game winning score after the onside kick and everything. You're just like, there's this is you just knew the ending before it happened, and that was just such a deflating and demoralizing loss. Watching, I remember Nick Folk drilled the field goal as time expired. All these Cowboy fans were going nuts around us, and we're just like, get me the hell out of here. And then there was post post game traffic uh, was crazy. It took like three hours to get back to Rochester, so. Talk about adding injury to insult right there. Yeah, seriously. And I was going to bring that up because getting home after games is never fun. But when it's that late, oh, it just sucks. And, you know, setting setting the stage for that, that game against Dallas, they were a legitimate Super Bowl contender that year. And the Bills had such an amazing rash of injuries that, I believe, was George Wilson's first ever start at safety after he had converted from uh, from wide receiver. So you actually had a bunch of players on the Bills that were starting for the very first time. They weren't even supposed to be in that game, uh, let alone leading as time was expiring, only to lose it at the end. But I remember being so excited when the Bills had their final score. I was running all around my living room and actually uh, creating such uh, a, a ruckus that um, things we, I had something sitting on top of the television that went flying off of it. And uh, like I knocked over some furniture, but that was like because I was happy. And then at the end, I just sat there with my head in my hands and I was like, oh, God. 
this is such a Buffalo Bills thing to have happened. <laughs> it was. It was. And like you're telling me the Buffalo Bills lose a game when, yeah, George Wilson pick six, Chris Kelsey pick six. Oh, and by the way, Terrence McGee had a 103 yard kickoff return for a touchdown in that game. So all of the points outside of a field goal by Lindell, who I think missed one or two kicks uh, that game as well were from the defense and the defense played out of their minds. Uh, they were facing an undefeated Cowboys team and instead heartbreak, just heart wrenching loss out there on Monday night football. I don't, we shouldn't see that type of, uh, of, of drama from backups on Monday, Jamie, because for the first time this year, really the bills have a fully healthy squad heading into the Monday night game. Matt Milano is still a question about what's going to happen with him and if he's going to get officially activated to play for the first time since week eight. And, you know, John Brown's on the IR for a couple of weeks. We understand that. But this Bills team, Jamie, is finally healthy, uh, which cannot be said as much for the Niners, their opponents on Monday night, who are missing a couple of key players led by George Kittle. I, for one, am I love George Kittle. He's an awesome talent. I am so glad he's missing this game because he can do what Travis Kelsey does to defenses. And even if Milano's out there, I think he'd have a hard time slowing down George Kittle. Uh, yeah, it's not just him. They're missing their great pass rusher, D Ford. Um, there's, they're just really beat up this year. And they're starting to get some players back. Debo Samuel is back. Richard Sherman is back. And that led the Niners to a really good win last week against the, the Rams. And it was precisely those players that were making a difference. I got to be honest with you. I'm not thrilled about um, Debo Samuel being back on offense for the Niners because the Bills have a hard time with big body receivers, but we don't know what's going on with Milano. Like you said, not having George Kittle in the game and he's a top three tight end. I am <laughs> counting my lucky stars over here. Over Kittle. The Bills have until 4 p.m. Monday to activate Matt Milano from the injured reserve list. Uh, Again, McDermott's playing things pretty close to the vest. Um, We don't know uh, what his status will be. He apparently, from all reports, uh, was moving well and not showing a ton of lingering uh, issues from the pec and the hamstring injuries that have ailed him earlier on this year. But you're right. Not having Milano again would be a, a loss for this defense, although AJ Klein is all of a sudden donned the big uh, S cape of Superman and is out there playing like a man possessed. He was the AFC defensive player of the week with one and a half sacks and I think 13 tackles uh, in the win over the Chargers. This Jamie to me is one of those games where I know it's not an AFC opponent. It doesn't count for the conference standings or the divisional standings, but damn it, I want this win for Buffalo because I am so, there was a narrative that came out Earlier this year, when the Bills got humiliated by the Titans and when the Bills lost in that rainy game to the Chiefs, that Buffalo beats up on the teams they're supposed to and can't elevate their game against playoff caliber opponents. And this is the first chance of many for Buffalo to make a statement win, knowing that the Niners, okay, I know that they're five and six, and I know that they're a shell of the team that went to the Super Bowl and had all rights to win that game uh, if they had done proper game management and come up with one stop of Mahomes, but they ended up losing that Super Bowl. This, Jamie, to me, I want this win so badly because A, it's standalone, B, it's Monday Night Football, and C, I think the team just needs to get one of those statement types of wins. And 
Yes, Bosa's not out there for the Niners, and Garoppolo's not going to be quarterbacking this team. This is still a very talented 49ers squad. It is. They they can really bring it, as we saw last week against the Rams. And you're right, the Bills are not winning the national games that they're being handed. And we've got a bunch of those coming up in the remainder of the season. And I would, I'm with you. I'd really like people to start taking them seriously. Um, there's something to be said about flying under the radar, but you know, beating a talented team that was just in the Super Bowl last year. And like you said, should have won it. That would go a long way. And look, we can talk about the injuries that the Niners have. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo's out. We already mentioned George Kittle, uh, Travis Benjamin. There's there's a lot of players that they're missing on offense, but still, Raheem Mostert, guy's a load. Uh, Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk, those are high draft picks at wide receiver. They're bigger bodies. Uh, they have an offensive line that can maul people. You know, this is a team that can bring it, and we what we don't want to see is them to get back on track against the Buffalo Bills. And here's the thing. I think with the extra day off, despite the fact that they're traveling, I, I think that what we are seeing are the Buffalo Bills not only moving toward being healthier, but they seem to be improving as a team right now. So, you know, with, with the improved pass rush, with the improved run defense, I think in the improved health, especially, uh, I think that we're going to see a very strong Bills team on Monday night, which according to your statistic, we might be able to break that 0-8 streak that the Bills are on on Monday night. You know, the, the cards are setting up well for Buffalo to to win this game. And, and what I mean by that is with Nick Mullins under center for San Francisco, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. Uh, and the fact that he's this is here's another stat for you, Jamie, talking about Shanahan and his offensive prowess with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. San Fran is 22 and eight with Kyle Shanahan as head coach. When they're starting anybody else besides Garoppolo, they are six and 23. So Nick Mullins will be the starting quarterback six and 23 San Francisco when a non Garoppolo quarterback under center. I look Nick Mullins is capable of putting up points in bunches. I think he had three touchdown drives in the fourth quarter against the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago, and he is getting weapons back. Debo Samuel, I believe had 11 catches for a buck 33 last week in that win over the Rams. He is going to be a nightmare. And uh, Brandon Ayuk is really coming along quite nicely as well as a good receiver for the Niners. Raheem Mostert is one of those speedy load types of running backs who is going to be a bear for Buffalo to bring down. But the Bills are getting better. I was going to say, and his backup, Tevin Coleman, is no slouch. Yeah, I mean, you remember him from his days with the Atlanta Falcons out there with Devontae Freeman. The the Niners have... So here's where things are going to get interesting, Jamie. The Niners are very similar, in my opinion, to a team they just beat, the Rams, when it comes to their outside zone running scheme. Now, it's not nearly as effective as it was last year when they ran for, I think, 150 yards a game, essentially, and they had 285 yards on the NFC title game against the Packers. They're only getting 112 yards a game, but a lot of that is because of injuries. Kittle is also a really good blocker. Uh, He's out. Center Ben Garland is out for the game, so he's a key cog on the offensive line. 
This is a very similar game to me, uh, Jamie, with the run scheme of San Francisco as what the Bills had against the Rams, who uh, we had back in week three. And, uh, you know, the Rams, I don't know. I, they, Daryl Henderson got some good rushing yards out there for them, but it wasn't like the um, it wasn't like the Rams ran roughshod. They were more Jared Goff lit them up with the passing game. And I don't see Nick Mullins doing that. I don't see Nick Mullins being a team that is a guy that's going to quarterback uh, the the Niners to score enough points to beat the Bills on Monday. The run defense to me, Jamie, is where it's at. And the Rams did get 167 rushing yards um, in that week three uh, loss to Buffalo, where they practiced a lot of that again, outside zone based rushing offense, sprinkling in the play action. But the play action only works if you actually believe that the quarterback is going to um, you know, is, is sells the fake to the, the back and then is able to complete the passes downfield. This Bills defense is healthier than they've been at almost any point in the year. And I think they're really rounding into form, Jamie. I am not worried as much about the Niners ground game um, as maybe I should be. Talk me, uh, talk me through your thoughts. Well, my thoughts are, do you remember the 49ers team in the NFC championship game last year against the uh, Green Bay Packers? that didn't throw the ball at the end of that game. In the second half, I don't think they threw the ball. That is something that scares the bejesus out of me because we know that that has been the Buffalo Bills' biggest issue. And the only way the Bills can overcome that is with numbers at the line of scrimmage because they don't have that big-body defensive tackle to soak up blockers And so often the opposing offense is pushing the Bills a yard, two yards, three yards off the line of scrimmage and creating some large holes. I am a little bit nervous about it because of that reason. Now, you're mentioning that there are some injuries on the offensive line. You can sell out to stop the run against the 49ers because Nick Mullins probably not going to get it done now, you were saying that the the play action, you have to be able to throw it in order for that to work. I disagree. I think you have to be able to run it in order for that to work. And the next thing, if you're running the ball, the next thing you find is that your receivers are getting open downfield because that running game is working. And it's the outside zone. Better than any other running play, the outside zone run sets up the play action and the bootlegs. and I I don't think this one's going to be a walk in the park, but I think the Bills are getting better this week or have been getting better the past couple of games. And this week, you're going to see more of that from them. But I think that you're going to see a lower scoring game than we've seen of the Bills in the past. And it's going to be close, too, because it's going to come down to to some coaching decisions and clock management and well, I hope uh, hope Sean McDermott is thinking his way through those even before the, the game begins. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. 
Well, and when it comes, Jamie, to the running game, look, I I might have misspoke when I was talking about the the my point with the play action was more the Bills know the Niners are going to try to run the ball. That's not a surprise. I mean, even though they're in the middle of the pack when it comes to their productivity on the ground game this year and they got Mostert back and he's a beast and Kyle Juszczyk is one of those throwback fullbacks who essentially can make up for the loss of a George Kittle or a Ben Garland on the offensive line. But like Leslie Frazier, I think it deserves some credit for what he has been able to do turning around the, the, run, the rushing defense. It's not where we need them to be as far as limiting and stifling the opposition, but you look at the Chargers, what they did last week. Austin Eckler comes back from his first game uh, back off an injury. I think he only had 44 yards on the ground, and the Bills did a pretty solid job containing the running game. The week before that, uh, before the bye with the Cardinals, Arizona did not run wild against uh, the Buffalo Bills front four. So I think that they're turning a page when it comes to rushing defense and containing and limiting the opposing backs. Now, Mostert's a different back. He's, you know, he's at a higher level, I think, than an injured Austin Eckler. And he's at a higher level than anything the Cardinals had to offer. And, you know, Kyler Murray aside being that threat as a quarterback. To me, the big key, Jamie, I don't know, maybe they finally found something and on and got uh, AJ Klein to play to his potential because his strength is the run defense. You know, he's weaker in coverage. He's better in the run stuffing. And what you've seen from him again, with Tremaine Edmonds slotted to the outside and Klein being the Mike linebacker, I think the bills are onto something when it comes to that formula, that permutation, being able to slow down the opposition when it comes to the running game. And if you know that a team is going to run and you know, they like to play the play action, but you don't respect Nick Mullins as a passer like you do at Jared Goff. I think the advantage plays to Buffalo. I just think they can sell out a little bit more. Now, Debo Samuel, again, is a game changer. That's going to be a big difference maker for the Niners to have out there for Mullins to throw to. But I'm not as worried about the zone rushing offense of the Niners as I was the Rams because, again, the Rams had a much better quarterback and better all-around weapons on offense than uh, what Nick Mullins You are doing an excellent job of talking me off the ledge for this one. Seriously, I, I was feeling kind of pessimistic. <laughs> you were definitely you're you're helping, man. You're helping. Well, I, I try, and I don't know. I I am Johnny, you know Johnny the optimist, and you know glass half full kind of guy. But I I don't think this is a, a mismatch uh, when it comes to the the defense. Uh, I I have all the faith in the world that Trey White will hold his own against um, Debo Samuel uh, on the outside or whoever they line up with him. I even feel like. If, if Levi Wallace, you know, yeah, that's not a great matchup for the Bills with the height disadvantage that Levi seeds to uh, to Debo. But I think Leslie Frazier has shown that he can adjust his game plan to try to do what Bill Belichick used to do and take away what the opposition does well. So I have faith in the defense. I agree this is going to be a lower scoring game. I don't think either team is going to get to 30 when it comes to this game on Monday night football and, but you know, we're, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit here. I want to give the offense uh, some run for the bills here as well, because a lot of people, Jamie are concerned about what happened with the bills last week in the fourth quarter, especially Josh had a horrible interception. Devin Singletary coughed up the ball. And even though the bills ran the ball very well, they averaged, I think 5.7 yards a carry, you know, it wasn't one of those victories that a lot of bills fans felt 
sold on their team based on how well they played against the Chargers. But I want to point to the fact that it looks like the Bills are finding their ground game on offense. And it starts with Zach Moss. I think he really is shown that he is the back that when the chips are on the table, McDermott's going to turn to him more than Devin Singletary. I think so too. I mean, Singletary, it was his job to lose. And even though he had the better game uh, against, uh, even though he had the better game last week, um, Moss just seemed to be the guy with the ball at crunch time, and his ball security makes a big difference too. Now, we need to give some credit to Devin Singletary. Some of the things he did poorly last year, he's doing very well this year. That was his first fumble of the season. Excellent. That's great improvement. But in particular, he's been really good at picking up blitzers and blocking, and that was something he struggled with mightily last year. So I'm happy to see the improvement. However, When it comes to Zach Moss, there's something about him that tells me the Bills are going to have some success. Now, the offensive line hasn't done either the running backs any favors. Um, You know, three quarters of the yardage is coming after initial contact, and that's that's not that can be good if the initial contact is two yards down the field. That's not good if it's in the in the backfield. Um, but you're seeing a lot of those yards after contact um, from Zach Moss. And I think the future is looking pretty bright for that guy. Yeah, I do too. I think he's really showing why Buffalo spent that uh, third round pick on the kid out of Utah. And let's not forget, as great as he was uh, running the ball, and he was the primary Bills back once Singletary coughed up the football Last week, he also gets a lot of credit for a tremendous block on Joey Bosa, who was having himself quite a day. And uh, and Moss gets a block. The Bills are at the goal line. Moss puts a huge block on Bosa, allowing Josh Allen to find Dawson Knox for one of the early touchdowns in the back of the end zone. If Zach Moss can show how good of a pass blocker he is as well, I think the job is his to lose. But I also say that knowing that I have no problem with the Bills employing two backs. What's wrong with putting two backs out there who are capable and qualified enough to uh, to carry this offense? So I I'm excited. I think the Bills running game, uh, they need it to, to come through on Monday night. This cannot be a game, even though the Bills are a pass first team. I don't want to see Josh Allen throwing the ball. 50 or 55 times on Monday night, especially with Richard Sherman back, even though he's lost a step, he's not as good as he was, you know, a couple of years ago, who is, uh, he's still a very talented guy. And the Niners defensive coordinator, Robert Sala really knows how to bring different coverages and different blitzing schemes. This Jamie to me is all going to come down to, you know, the Niners are missing some key players. We mentioned Nick Bosa's out. uh, D Ford is out. Uh, Solomon Thomas. Uh, there's still Eric Armstead on the D line, who's very solid. Kerry uh, Hyder can get after the quarterback, and they got a first round pick named Javon Kinlaw, who has a lot of potential when it comes to disrupting the uh, opposing team's offensive line. This is going to be a challenge, in my opinion, Jamie, for how well the offensive line can hold up against a team that's going to bring pressure and going to bring different looks in San Francisco. You know, the Bills run four wide receiver sets more than any team in the league right now. Well, second most in the league. And against the 49ers, that's going to be a great formula because as you were mentioned, Solomon Thomas, D Ford are out. Uh, Ziggy Ansah isn't great, but he's a former high pick. He's out. Um, But the Niners have a ton of injuries still in the secondary. So if you're going four wide, what you're going to end up doing is 
force the Niners to pass rush with fewer people and drop people into coverage that aren't necessarily, um, that's not their strong suit. If they're having linebackers trying to cover different parts of the zone, or if they're trying to go man to man, you're getting really deep on their bench. I think that's going to be the key for the Bills offense is the four wide formation. I like it. Gabriel Davis had a really solid effort, you know, last week against the Chargers. I think he's going to be in the focal point spotlight. And to me, Jamie, I'm going to pull a page out of your playbook. The guy that I think is the biggest X factor for the offense is Cole Beasley. He had a bit of a letdown week, in my opinion, last week against the Chargers. Uh, Stephon Diggs struggled to get that chemistry going with Josh Allen. He did have seven catches, but I think it was for a, pedestrian 38 or 40 yards total. I think Cole Beasley is the guy who, if Brian Dable figures out how to unleash him against the Niners, he is going to be the X factor for this offense because the Niners are going to play a lot of zone based defense. And Jimmy Ward is an outstanding cover corner. Who's probably going to limit a lot of the deep looks to Davis and Diggs, And that's where Beasley comes in. When Beasley's able to find those soft spots in the zone defense to move the sticks on those eight, nine, 10 yard gains, he's going to be the guy who keeps his offense clicking, keeps the sticks moving and keeps the drives going for Josh Allen. I expect him to have a huge week. And especially knowing that I think Emmanuel Mosley of the Niners is either questionable or has been ruled out as one of the other corners as well. So to me, Jamie, the Niners are a little banged up in the secondary, and I look for Beasley to really step up and uh, and answer the bell. He's really been the engine behind the Bills offense this entire season, hasn't he? Yeah, he's so underrated. I look back at that Cardinals game, and if he, the Bills had won that game in the desert, Cole Beasley would have been AFC Player of the Week. He had, what, 12 catches for 120 yards? Yeah. He had that ridiculous one on the third and 22 that never should have happened. And he was there to make the ridiculous leaping catch. I mean, I think Cole Beasley is one of those like he's so under the radar when it comes to what he does and what he brings for this offense. Bills fans appreciate it. But in the national media, he's not getting the respect that he deserves with regards to how talented he has been. No, it's because what we like seeing are highlight reel plays. So DK Metcalf is going to get the love all day long because, I mean, he's amazing at, at you know, going 40 yards downfield and hauling in uh, a reception over a defender. But Cole Beasley, man, he's doing it all underneath. It's not an easy skill set uh, and to attain. And, you know, let's just take a moment to appreciate that stutter step and delay move he has in his patterns. And you know the ones I'm talking about where he seems to start running, running one direction and then seems to stop dead as if he's going to change direction, but then just continues in the direction he was headed in the first place, seems to leave defenders flat-footed every time. And he just, he's so good at getting open. A lot of times it's a, a matter of, you know, whether or not he's seen by Josh Allen. But, you know, here's the other thing that people don't talk about. He catches everything. Oh, he does. Absolutely. Like, I he hasn't dropped a pass in weeks and weeks. It's just amazing at how good he is at what he does. He's almost, I don't want to uh, be um, putting some, you know, uh, I don't what I want to say. I don't want to be lighting the fire under Bill's mafia, but he to me is probably the most electric route runner and stutter step receiver that Buffalo's had since Stevie Johnson in terms of just being able to, in a small space, get that separation enough to move the sticks 
and make those catches. And I think that you're right. Cole Beasley is going to have a field day, you know, picking apart the zone, finding the soft spots. And I'm glad you brought up Josh Allen because really, Jamie, Josh has to be able to identify where the pressure's coming from and get the ball out quickly to his open receivers. And to me, it's going to be Cole Beasley uh, on Monday Night Football. I think you're, you get you can better believe the Niners will bring a lot of pressure. Uh, they did the same thing to Jared Goff last week, and it worked very well in their 23-20 to 20 win. It's going to come down to how well Josh Allen reads and reacts to the pressure. And Jamie, to me, the thing that besides Josh identifying the open guy and getting the ball out of his, out of his hands really quickly – what are the Bills going to do at guard? Because Brian Winters, he's had poor matchups all year long. This week especially is going to be a nightmare. If you have Eric Armstead taking on Brian Winters, good night. That's not even a fair fight. <sighs> he's been a liability all season. And you know, letting go of Quentin Spain is looking particularly bad right now. I... I I, I know the Bills were not counting on Winter being in being on the field regularly, but jeez, he I I don't know how the Bills can make a deep playoff run with him on the offensive line because he's just so bad out there. But here's the thing that is even more disturbing is that actually Cody Ford had a lower run grade according to Pro Football Fo- Focus than even Brian Winter did. But winter against any pass rusher at all is just, it's a mismatch. And I'm with you on that. I think that maybe the Bills are going to have to keep the running backs in the backfield on a lot of the pass plays because they're going to have to be there to pick up the the pass rusher when uh, winter inevitably lets the guy slide by him. Guys, it turns. He really is. He really, you know, I I was, I will say, I was dead wrong on Winters when the Bills got him from the Jets. Should have realized getting cut by the Jets doesn't mean that you're a good player in any way, shape, or form because they are again a (laughs) dumpster fire out there with an 0 and 10 or 0 and 11 record heading into their matchup with the Raiders on Sunday. But Brian Winters is terrible. He's a turnstile. He's a dumpster fire. He's somebody who really is going to be a an area of concern. News just came out, Jamie, by the way, that we were talking about Cole Beasley having a big performance, a big potential on Monday. The Niners are actually pretty depleted at cornerback. Not only is slot corner Jamar Taylor out for the game, Kawan Williams has been ruled out of the game, and Emmanuel Mosley is listed as doubtful uh, with his hamstring injury. So, Richard Sherman's back, but the Niners are pretty depleted in that secondary. Should lead to some good things for this Buffalo Bills offense. I was just going to say, the legendary John Boccasino keeping you up to date and up to minute. The beauty of the internet. I can't imagine doing these podcasts or recordings without it because I'm refreshing stories and searching while we're talking and trying to get the, the latest out there. And there's some good news, Jamie, for Bills fans with regards to the Niners secondary. Now, The fun part of the show, Jamie, as always, are our predictions bound to go wrong and the Buffalo Bills are closing off their NFC West swing. They're also playing in a place that was a very sore memory from a couple weeks ago with the Hail Mary touchdown pass. Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. The Bills dropped their week 10 game. This game is being played in the exact same facility, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, because the Niners have uh, are currently homeless. Uh, Santa Clara County has put a moratorium on contact sports uh, due to COVID-19. So the Niners had to find a new place to play. And Arizona is their home. 
This game is going to take place 8-15 on Monday night. Uh, the Bills taking on the home Niners in Arizona. What is your prediction, Jamie, for how the game is going to play out? I might feel different about this game if it were being played in San Francisco, but this, in effect, is a neutral site game which always takes three points away from the eventual home team. So in other words, home team always gets three points. So with those three points, I think you're going to see a Buffalo win 23-21. I like it. So are the, are the Bills going to have to get a Tyler Bass late field goal to win in that scenario to kind of force your uh, your score a little bit? I'm glad you asked that question. No, we are going to see late game Josh Allen magic hit a long touchdown pass, and it is going to be exciting as hell. Love it. So the Bills will be trailing in the fourth quarter, and Josh directs the offense just like he did against Arizona to a game, what should have been a game-winning touchdown. He really will get it this time is what Jamie is calling for with a 23 to 21 prediction. I am going to say the Buffalo Bills also get the win. They go to nine and three for the second straight year. Buffalo pulls out this one 27 to 20. I see Buffalo and the Niners having a very entertaining game back and forth, but the Bills, I think, have too much talent to lose this game. I think the running game is coming into form. I think the rushing defense is going to really step up, and I just see Josh Allen versus Nick Mullins. I think the Bills' offense is superior to what San Fran brings to the table. So Buffalo 27, San Francisco 20 to get to 9-3 and three on the year. Again, this will be the second straight year if the Bills get this win that they are able to start off a year 9-3. and three. And it would be great, Jamie, to give the Bills and their fans some primetime love uh, with a big win on ESPN's Monday Night Football. This again, Jamie, it's going to be primetime for the next month because we get the Steelers on Sunday Night Football, although who knows – uh, all these games are tentative when it comes to their 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 times because we had that weird Wednesday afternoon 340 kickoff with the Ravens and Steelers due to the COVID outbreak in Baltimore. But, you know, get ready for some primetime Bills love. Yeah, I tell you. And something that we're going to have to keep in mind here is the primetime love means that the Bills are going to be playing a lot of games in short weeks. In fact, three of their last four games and teams are notoriously bad for playing on short weeks. It's going to be interesting to see how this one shapes up because with the Dolphins nipping at their heels, oh, it's going to be an exciting ending uh, to the season and the race to become AFC East champions. And who do the Dolphins get this week? The Cincinnati Bengals and Brandon Allen. So you can pretty much expect that to be a, I mean, there's no such thing as a given, uh, you know, guaranteed win, but I, I like the Dolphins chances. So that means it's going to get, it's going to be a, a battle down the stretch for sure. Uh, but one thing is for certain, as we always say, you can get ready for all of the Bills games here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. We welcome uh, your feedback with our podcast. Get involved by tweeting at us. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Boccasino. You can also get involved at Buff Rumblings by tweeting on social media. Jamie, as always, has some great insights for us, and uh, we appreciate him stopping by, as always, to break down the matchups. And uh, for my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino, signing off on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. 
great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.